When you run an online business, your marketing metrics will tell you what in your business is profitable and where you're throwing money away. Yikes. That's pretty important, right? Luckily, I've put together the Ultimate Marketing Metrics Checklist, which is a free resource that will guide you through tracking and analyzing the most crucial metrics for your business. And let me tell you, I'm going to keep it simple but effective. From evergreen data and revenue generation to podcast metrics and social media growth, this cheat sheet will cover it all. It's the exact one my team and I use to track our metrics on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual basis. Let me be honest here. This wasn't an overnight process win for me. It took me 10 years to build this comprehensive list and get it just right. But you, my friend, can start using it today, tailoring it to suit your business-specific needs, but not having to start from scratch like I did. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just getting started, this cheat sheet will help you make informed decisions as you grow your business and empower you to move forward confidently. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics to get your hands on the ultimate marketing metrics cheat sheet now. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics. You're listening to the online marketing made easy podcast episode number 53. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Hey there, Amy Porterfield here, and welcome to another edition of the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. As always, thanks so much for being here. I love that we get to spend this time together. So here's the deal. Today's topic is very near and dear to my heart. We are talking about finding or discovering your calling, what you were put on this earth to do. Now, if you're one of those lucky souls who has it all figured out, you know why you're here on this earth, you're doing the work you were meant to do, and you get to wake up every morning and dive right into it. Well, I'm a little bit envious of you because Hear me out. I love the work I do, and I feel like I'm really close to figuring that all out, but sometimes I feel like it's still a little bit unclear to me, meaning I'm not exactly sure if I figured out why I'm put on this earth and what I'm meant to do. I feel like, again, I'm pretty close to what I'm supposed to be doing, but sometimes there's that voice inside me that thinks, I don't know, Amy, there might be something different or it might look a different way down the road, and that's okay. I'm open to it. So whenever a great book comes out that talks about this topic, I definitely snatch it up. And that's what happened with the new book, The Art of Work by my friend, Jeff Goins. Jeff wrote this book and why I love it and why I want you to hear this interview is because his book is a real honest, like in the moment take on finding your calling. So it's not huge, big pictures and just kind of abstract. It's really in the day-to-day stuff that he helps you discover what your calling is. And he uses these beautiful stories of real-life people that have done it. And I do so well when someone tells me stories of others because I can relate it back to my own life. And I think you're going to enjoy that part of the book. Now, I will say that in the interview, because I already interviewed him and now I'm doing the intro, in the interview, there's this one part where I literally just say, If you take one thing away from this interview, I want you to just repeat that part that Jeff just said. I'm a tease today. I'm not going to give it to you. You got to listen to the interview. 
But I love this just one part of the interview that really spoke to me, and I think it will speak to you as well. So if you're not sure what you're put on this earth to do, if you're not exactly sure you're doing the work you love, or if you're positive, you're going to a job every day that you do not love, and there's something bigger and better for you out there, then listen to this interview. It will give you some insights and some ideas to actually enjoy where you are right now. I know for some of you that might seem impossible, but believe me, there's little things you can do to actually enjoy where you're at while you get to where you want to go. So we talk about that in the interview. So I can't wait for you to dive in. I won't make you wait any longer. Again, this is an interview I did with Jeff Goins. Jeff is from Nashville, Tennessee, one of my favorite cities on earth. I'm a country girl at heart. I love Nashville. And he lives there with his wife, an adorable little boy. And this guy is just brilliant. He's a writer. He's a blogger. He is a speaker. He's great on stage. And he's the real deal. He knows this stuff. He studied it. I love, you'll even hear him say it in the interview, he actually wrote this book and then thought, no, this isn't right. So he had to go back to the drawing board. People that do that have a lot of guts, I think, to just make sure they don't put anything out there that they don't know is stellar. So this book that he wrote, a lot of heart and soul went into it. And he's going to talk about the concepts here in this interview. So again, I won't make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and jump in. Jeff, thanks so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Amy. Glad to, glad to be with you. I think it's going to be great because I love this topic. Now, this book in large part is about finding your calling. Now, to take a little snippet that I read online, here's what you said. What is a calling? You will hear me use the word interchangeably with the terms vocation and life's work, but quite simply, it is the reason you were born. Now, I've also heard you say calling is not necessarily a moment, but a lifestyle. So can you help me better understand the process of finding your calling? And is it the same as your passion? I don't think it's the same as your passion um, because I think passions change. And I think this idea of having a calling, a purpose for your life is um, really a lifelong journey of you understanding what am I here for? And, uh, you know, so I don't think it's something that changes, but it will evolve over time. You know, as we all kind of mature and grow, we begin to better understand what matters to us and the kind of impact that we want to leave. But I I like this word calling uh, because I think it goes beyond just something that you're excited about. I think it goes beyond career aspirations. It's really about what's the kind of life that I want to live and what's ultimately the legacy that I want to leave and how can I start making choices today that including the work that I do, that's going to affect that in the long term. Okay. So a lot of the people listening, my audience, many of them have been in a certain career for a long time or a certain area of business, and they have a lot of schooling in that area and put in a lot of time. So if you've had years in a particular career, how do you discern a calling after your track record is fairly well established? I think we all feel like that we're missing out on something, that we've wasted a season of our life, that we've been practicing or preparing for the wrong thing. And now we have to start all over. I mean, people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s uh, who feel this way, who feel like their, their past in some way was a waste. And I just had coffee with uh, one of the women I talk about in the book, Jody Noland, who found her calling at 58 years old. And, I, and she worked at IBM for 15 years. She was a mom for a decade. She helped her husband uh, with his business for uh, some years. And now what she does is she 
is a speaker, she's a writer, and she teaches these workshops helping companies and individuals write letters of appreciation to the people that they love. You know, so in a company context, they're writing them to their you know, employees and taking better care of their uh, colleagues. And then, you know, she's working with people who write letters to, you know, their friends and family. All of this came out of a series of very painful experiences for her uh, in which uh, her, her friend Larry was on his deathbed uh, dying of cancer. And he asked for a pen and paper to write some letters to his daughters. And Larry did die. And his daughters, to this day, cherish those letters. She saw this. It impacted her deeply. And so when her husband got sick and was dying of cancer as well, sadly, she pleaded with him to write letters to his daughters. And uh, he refused. And she, she begged him. She nagged him. And he would not do it. And after the funeral, her stepdaughter, his daughter, came up to Jody and said, did dad write me a letter? Oh. And it broke, it broke her oh, heart, gosh. as you can imagine. Yes. And so I said to Jody, I said, do you feel, because now she's, so, I mean, it broke her heart. She, for a while, you know, understandably was full of grief. This was about six years ago when her husband died. And now she's doing this work that in some ways is redeeming this personal pain that she's felt. She's seen both sides of it, right? She's seen the discrepancy between people who, affirm their loved ones and and those that, you know, miss out on that opportunity. And she wants to make sure that nobody misses out. So what Jody would say, Amy, to, you know, give you a long answer to a short question (laughs) is that nothing is wasted. So I asked her, I said, do you feel like you you worked at IBM for 15 years? Was that wasted? She said, she says, no, because I learned about how to, she did employee care during that time. She would do uh, employee evaluations. And instead of saying, what have you done for me lately? She would affirm the person. She just learned, you know, she has a natural gift for empathy and she learned how to, how to affirm people through that, uh, that experience. And now she's using that gift of affirmation in a completely different context where she feels like everything has kind of been leading up to this moment. But Jody would say, uh, your past is preparing you for what's to come. You can use everything as, a, as an apprenticeship for, uh, you know, what's coming next. And she, uh, I call this listening to your life. That's a term that I borrow from a guy named Frederick Beekner. Pay attention to the things that you've done, the passions that you've, you've had, the failures that you've experienced. All of those can help you figure out where you're going next and what this larger purpose is in your life. And I don't think the past dictates the future, but it should inform it. Yes, so true. Now, when, so you did interview a lot of people for this book, and I was going to actually ask you, tell me one of the stories. So I'm glad you actually brought that up of Jody, right? Yeah, Jody Nolan. Uh-huh. Jody Nolan. And I love that story because it just proves that you never know where life will take you. And one thing, I don't know if you got into this a lot, but I've noticed that when people want to make a big shift in their life, like they've been at one thing for a long time and they want to try something else and they have this, this deep feeling that something else is calling them, having a support system in your life has to be a big deal. And the reason I'm thinking this is my husband, I've told this story before, but my husband, when he was 38 years old, decided he wanted to quit his career. He had his own business as a general contractor and become a firefighter. And at 38 years old in California, it's kind of ridiculous that you think you want to become a firefighter. So because everyone's like 20 years old going for it. Yeah. So he went for this and he and he did an amazing job and he's now a firefighter and he couldn't be happier. But one thing I noticed when I talked to him, like what made you think you could do it? 
because he always said, I had people in my life that would support me along the way. And did that come out in these stories? Did you hear stuff about that? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that every story of success is really a story of community. This idea of a self-made man or woman, it's just not true. You know, and Amy, you and I know this better than a lot of people, I think, because uh, our world, you know, the online marketing world is all based off of relationship. You know, yes. it's, uh, it's all based off of trust, building relationship with your customers and readers and audience and, and then building relationships with other people that you can partner with and connect with. I would not be where I am. I won't speak for you, but I would not be here even having this interview with you uh, if it weren't for uh, all of the relationships uh, in my life that, um, you know, even got us to this point of, of having this conversation. And yes. I think when we think, I think when we think we bootstrap our way to success, that we do it all on our own, we're deceiving ourselves. And we're also doing a disservice to other people who have a dream to chase because you're setting them up for disappointment, right? We never succeed on our own. And we, sh- we shouldn't want to. I've, I've run a few half marathons in my life. And the ones that I ran with friends and there was people at the finish line to celebrate the experience with together were way more fun than the ones that I ran alone. Yes. It, I mean, it makes perfect sense. And I will say that I'm sure you can relate to there's times in our lives where we're surrounded by people and there's maybe one or two that actually make us feel like maybe we can't do it. Like we can't move forward. Like this is a crazy idea. Those people I think are just as important in the journey as the people that are cheering us on along the way, because they give us that, you know, like, wait a second. Yes, I can do this. They give us that weird confidence that comes out of nowhere when someone challenges us, like we can't do it. So I guess I bring that up because if you are in a situation right now that you desperately want to change your life. You want to do something different. You know, something's calling you, but the people in your life maybe aren't supporting you. Maybe it's time to start looking at using those people as a stepping stone, getting that confidence you need to move forward anyway, and then going to find your tribe out there that is going to cheer you on because there are people out there that will cheer you to that finish line, kind of like what you said with the marathon. So I think just community is so important. And sometimes I say that because people don't have that community like others. So you've got to go out and actively find it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I lived in this city that I didn't even realize was this really cool place where all these people, you know, in technology and, you know, in, in the publishing world and music, I mean, you know, I'm a creative person. I like, I'm a writer. I like to write. And, and I got into blogging and I was uh, working as a marketing director for a nonprofit. I wanted to change my life. I was one of those people who had one job and it was a good job and I kind of felt guilty for not loving it, uh, but I wanted something else. I wanted to be a writer. I, you know, I wanted to speak and write books and, you know, I wanted to start a blog or something. I didn't completely know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew that there was something out there and I was missing out on it. And for years, I would sit on my laptop on my couch and watch people on Twitter, Facebook, or whatever, people who lived in Nashville, the city, you know, that, that <laughs> I, I've lived in for the past eight years. I go, man, it'd be great to be like them. You know, it'd be great to be uh, like Michael Hyatt or somebody. And then one day I just kind of woke up and I realized these people are a stone's throw away. What's stopping me from trying to connect with them, grab coffee with them? I realized all these people that I admired, I watched from afar, kind of envied, frankly, that they all knew each other, like for real in person. You yes. know, <laughs> yes. they weren't just connected on the internet, which I think is, is, is something that we believe, you know, like we believe that like, you don't actually connect in person with the people that you call your quote unquote friends because, you know, you just know them on Twitter or something. 
And that's absolutely not true. The more and more that I understand just about kind of the principles of success and what it takes to achieve a dream, what it takes to make it, it always takes community. And so when I saw all these people like actually having dinner together and coffee and that they knew each other offline, I realized I had it backwards. I thought when you connect with online people, it can lead to you know, offline relationships. And I think that happens sometimes. It's happening more and more in our, our world now. But I think the best way to connect with somebody and the best way to build a community is really offline. I think offline relationship tends to strengthen online connections. You know, certainly in, in writing The Art of Work, I just found story after story of people that looked like they did it alone. And then when you dug a little bit deeper, you realize, no, you even when people were naysaying you, telling you you couldn't doing it, there were, there were people that came alongside you at just the right time yes. to encourage you along the way. And I think it's really on us to recognize those people. Because like I said, I sat on my couch and living in Nashville for years, wondering when my big break was going to come, not realizing that it was staring you right in front of the face. I just had to get off my couch and, you know, go connect with some people. <laughs> what a concept, right? I love <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Novel. <laughs> <laughs> so here, this is a loaded question, but what you just said kind of is leading me to really want to hear what you have to say about the fact that how does somebody get started if they know they are meant for bigger things, if they know they were put on this earth for something different than they're doing now, what do they do to even start that journey to get started in finding your calling? So I, I wrote this book to kind of describe my journey of going from working a traditional job to becoming a full-time uh, author, blogger, an entrepreneur. And it, it started out as this, you know, go do these five things kind of book. And I didn't, it didn't feel honest to me. And so, as you mentioned, I interviewed hundreds of people and I wrote this book. I kind of scrapped it. I didn't like it. And then I went back and just found all these stories and then began to identify common themes in all of these stories. And then when I understood those stories better, I began to understand my own story a little bit better. And it was, it was a really cool journey. And I, I share that because I, I learned some important lessons that kind of debunked myths that I had believed about chasing a dream and, and even kind of like believe them afterwards for a while. Like you, you can do it all on your own. It's just one thing. You just have to, you know, create a plan and go after it. I don't think those things are true or they're not completely true. You don't do it completely on your own. You need community. It's not just one thing, you know, it's, it's a few things and it's okay to not know. Most of the time I don't know. We think that you need to get clear about what you want to do, but I think clarity comes with action. It's going to take a community of people and, and you're going to learn, you know, things as you go. And it's, it's certainly going to take practice. So how do you begin that process? I think the best thing that I learned, and I had to kind of relearn it because I went through this journey. And I think sometimes when you see somebody succeed, they sanitize their story. They go through all this difficult stuff and they don't know and they're confused and they make mistakes. And then they look back years later and they go, oh yeah, that was easy. I just did these seven things. If you do these seven things, <laughs> it'll work for you too. We don't live our lives like that, Amy. Like I'm not on step six and a half right now. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm rushing from one thing to the next and I've got a headache because I haven't drunk enough coffee this morning. Like I'm in the middle of the mess and this is where we live our lives. And so when I rewrote the book, I wanted to speak to that you know, messy middle that we all find ourselves in. And I, I think that um, the most important thing that you could do in terms of starting, especially if you're in this place where you, you feel like you're not in an ideal situation or circumstance, don't waste your byproduct. And, and what I mean by that is if you're, you know, if you've been working 10 years in customer service, don't assume that was a waste. 
you can use your byproduct. I'm not saying you have to be in customer service for the next 15, 20 years if that's not what you want to do. But there's something in that that you've been practicing. There's some lesson that you can learn from that and you can be more intentional about it. A lot of times we just get so overwhelmed. I got, I got 18 passions and 27 things that I could do, do and I don't know where to start. But when you start listening to your life as Jody Nolan did, your options start to narrow down in a good way. And again, your past doesn't dictate your future, but it should inform it. You should look at your life, listen to it, and begin to understand, what do I really love doing? In my case, I've never been good at math. So my dream should probably not be to be an accountant. Like that would be a bit of a delusional dream for me. What I've always loved doing is uh, writing. I've always loved words. I've always loved creativity. When I began to understand what my life was trying to tell me, you know, it made a lot more sense and it brought a lot more clarity. And I, I love this quote by Parker Palmer, which really sort of epitomizes this idea. He says, before I can tell my life what I want to do with it, which is a very American Western thing to do, like, here's what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to have a plan. Before I can do that, I have to listen to my life telling me who I am. I think that activity always follows identity, that before you can go do something, you really have to get a sense of who you are. And that's not some passive thing, as I said. That, that means getting off the couch, connecting with people, going through this process of figuring out what have I always been good at? What am I practicing right now? And I don't even recognize it. That will give you a sense of, of what's next. And the other thing I would say is you, re- you really just, I, I know it's sort of trite, but you just need to get started. Most of us are waiting to just know what we're supposed to do. You won't just know. That was the surprising thing that I found interviewing all these people who are doing meaningful, remarkable work. I said, did you know that you wanted to do this when you were a kid? No, I didn't. I had no idea. Did you know that you were going to do this, you know, five years ago? No, I didn't. It was a surprising journey. But now that I'm here, I look back and I can understand that all of this, you know, makes sense. It was all preparing me for what I'm doing. That's an intentional, conscious process. It's not something that will happen to you accidentally. You'll have to be really purposeful about that and also flexible as life throws things at you as, as it you know, happens with all of us to you know, take those things and, and make the most of them. Okay, so this is so good. Guys, if you take one thing away from Jeff's interview today, the thing I really want you to say over and over again, if you're struggling with this concept of finding that calling or what you're put on this earth to do, listen to what your life is trying to tell you. To me, that's huge. I never really thought of it that way, but that is so powerful. What is your life trying to tell you? And also what I got from everything you just said, Jeff, was, Start where you stand and whatever's mm. happening right now, that is going to give you clues as to maybe what you want to try or take action or experiment with. So whatever you're doing, and that kind of leads me to the question that came up as you were, as you were explaining this concept of how to get started. And that is a lot of people listening are still in a day job and they are going to a job that they don't like. They desperately want to break away. A lot of my audience are, you know, wanting to be solo entrepreneurs doing their own thing with no boss, but there's still a day job involved. And for those people in your book, you talk a lot about being able to actually want to do something versus have to do it, even though it might not be the perfect situation at the moment. Can you kind of shed some light on that? So, yeah. So, I mean, there's this study that I read not too long ago that said 87% of the world's workers are disengaged with their jobs, meaning they either absolutely hate their job or they're just indifferent about it. And they're going in and punching a clock and, you know, work is a means to make a living, but it's certainly not a way to make a life. And I think that's a problem. Like, I think, you know, that's, that's not good that 87% of people in a job in the world 
are not, you know, are, are not in love with their jobs, which means, you know, they're not doing great work. Because I think that work is, is a means of making an impact on the world. And if you do that, you're going to create value. You're going to get paid. You talk about that really well, uh, I think, Amy. And I, I think that's a problem. And two things need to happen. And, and they involve this word that I love called pivot. One of two things needs to happen in your life. Either you need to do an external pivot where you change directions. Instead of going in, in one direction towards, you know, your pension and, and, you know, staying with this company for the next, you know, 25 years or whatever, you need to pivot and go in a completely different direction and maybe start moving towards doing your own thing or, you know, working somewhere else. Or it's an internal pivot. And I would suggest that this one, no matter what ends up happening with your current situation, I mean, I, I'm not going to say don't quit your job because that's exactly what I did and it was great. Now, my pivot took years. I mean, it took time to make that transition. I don't think it has to take years, but if you're really going to move in the direction of your life's purpose, it may not happen overnight. And that's okay because if you do the internal pivot first, which is a pivot going from, I hate my, I hate my job. This, you know, this thing sucks. If only I could have some great gig come along. The reality is if you don't do that, if you make the external pivot and you go quit your job or go do something else and you don't make the internal pivot from uh, work as a means of, you know, serving myself and making a bunch of money or, you know, providing for myself so that I can do the things that I really want to do. If you can't pivot away from that to work as a means of making an impact, no matter what you do, it's ultimately going to feel like drudge work because it's not satisfying. This, this is, there's really fascinating psychology about this. Victor, Victor Frankel talks about this. It's not satisfying to serve yourself with the work that you do. We are our happiest when we're doing something that is a part of a greater whole, when we're working on a project that is serving other people. And so if you can't make that internal pivot, even in this you know, day job that you may not like and try to see some good in it, it doesn't matter if you make the external pivot and find your dream job. It's still eventually going to become drudge work. So I would say make the internal pivot first and then definitely, you know, start um, you know, taking steps to make that external pivot towards, you know, your life's work. I love the idea of the pivots. So with me, when I worked at corporate, I wanted to leave so bad to start my own thing. But quite honestly, I didn't even know what I was going to start. So I was kind of right. a mess in the beginning. So I actually I had a good mentor encourage me to stay on with the Tony Robbins companies for about another year. And I didn't want to do it. But she said, if you're going to do it, you got to, you know, go pro and show up and do it right. But one of my internal pivots was that I asked to be moved to a different department. So I was in the creative department. We developed content and I wanted something different. And I wanted to learn how to launch products because I wanted to eventually leave to do my own programs. So I asked to move into the marketing department and I was scared. It was, you know, a big deal for me to put myself out there. I thought they'd think I was ridiculous. Like, you don't know marketing like we do and that kind of thing. But they embraced it because they knew I had something to offer and I positioned myself well. So I say this because that internal pivot might just be doing something a little different where you're at right now. And I learned so much that I'm so glad I stayed that final year so I could take it into my own business. So there's opportunities there that people might not be thinking of yet. I think it's a, that's a great advice. I mean, I, I, I just thought of this. I, I did the same thing. When I got this idea that I wanted to be a writer, I moved from being a marketing director, which I loved, to becoming a communications director, leading other a team of writers, uh, creating content for our nonprofit organization that, that was used by the marketing team. But, you know, I started as a copywriter and seven years later, I was a marketing director and I was spending too much time managing creatives, managing, you know, advertising campaigns and email campaigns. And 
that was great stuff. And I use all those skills now, but I wasn't writing as much. And I really wanted to get back into writing. And so I went to my boss and I just told him, I want to be writing more. I built this marketing team for you. We could probably bring somebody else in to replace me. I want to make an internal pivot towards something else. And in, you know, kind of in the, the back of my mind, I was thinking, if I'm eventually going to do this, you know, full time, I could start practicing this now instead of just waiting. I think most of us are sitting at our desks or whatever, twiddling our thumbs, waiting for our big opportunity to come. As I've already shared, it's probably staring you in the face. You've just got to change something about your perspective or something small about your situation that can make uh, ultimately in big picture, you know, a big difference. And for me, making that internal pivot as you did, and I didn't even think about it. So thanks for reminding me of that. (laughs) Made a huge difference. You, You do have control. You have some control of your situation right now. So as you get an idea of what you might want to do, try to use your current situation to practice for what's to come. I don't think you'll regret it. I don't either. There's so many opportunities there. And while you're making that internal pivot, you can always carve out time in the morning or in the evenings or at lunch to work on that side project that will one day become your business. And that's so exciting to do. And it keeps you moving forward and keeps your eye on the prize. So I really want to encourage people to think about those internal pivots if you feel stuck. They really are there and they really are available to you. So Jeff, I want to thank you so much for being here. And I want to tell you that people are listening right now from their cars, at the gym, maybe commuting to that job they don't necessarily love and cannot wait to move away from. And I want them to get your book. I think that this book can be a huge, huge life changer when you start looking at the possibilities of creating a life by your own design that you absolutely love. So tell us where can people learn more about your brand new book? So you go to artofworkbook.com. That's artofworkbook.com. And uh, you'll, um, you'll see you know, where you can buy. You can buy it at all the major retailers. And if you go there, uh, you know, buy it through Amazon or something, you can just su- submit your receipt number and you'll get a bunch of bonuses, including some, a free video course from me talking about these mindset shifts, some of which we've talked about here that you need to go through to really find your calling and begin to do meaningful work and find out more about that at artofworkbook.com. We always love when there's extra goodies involved. So I appreciate that. So guys, go check it out. You can get those bonuses as well. And Jeff put his heart and soul into this book. There's no doubt about it. So I would never steer you wrong. So check out artofworkbook.com. Jeff, thanks again for being here. Truly appreciate it. Totally my pleasure. Thank you, Amy. Take care. So there you have it. Hopefully you found some little snippets in there that will help you move forward to finding the reason why you were put on this earth. I know that sounds dramatic, but I think it's very, very important that we think of it in terms of why are we here and what were we put on this earth to do? Because we all have that special gift. And my good friend Marie Forley always says, you have that special gift that only you can offer. And you've got to get it out into the world. And I do believe that. So I hope you feel inspired and excited. And and if you're in that day job, maybe look for those pivots that you could take advantage of new opportunities. So I didn't create a special giveaway for this episode like I normally have been doing because I really do want you to go check out artofworkbook.com and get the bonuses that come along once you purchase the book. I think that is definitely a great freebie. Those bonuses are a great freebie to offer to this episode because they're really valuable. And Jeff takes his work very seriously. So you're going to get top notch training and knowledge for free in those bonuses. So go check it out. Thank you so much for being with me here today. And also you can check out the show notes for this episode at amyporterfield.com forward slash 53. Can't wait to connect with you again soon. 
I'll talk to you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com. 